Welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. I'm John Williamson, the host of the podcast and founder of K-12 Food Rescue, an organization founded in 2007, committed to empowering people to lead the food is not trash movement in their school districts. Today, I'm joined by Adrian Wiggins, a food waste solution leader and teacher in Nevada at Empire Elementary. So Adrian, welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. Thank you for having me, John. Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited to to hear what's going on in Nevada. So Adrian, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how long you've been a teacher and maybe what grade level you teach? Sure. So I have been a teacher. Um, I've been in education over 20 years. I've been a classroom teacher about 17 years. Um, and I was the STEM um, instructional coach at our site for about eight years. And this year I'm back in the classroom as a computer science teacher, but I'm also continuing the STEM journey with our school as our STEM coordinator. Wow. Just got a little bit on your plate. Maybe. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the life of a teacher. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, I used to be a teacher for nine years myself, and my, my parents were both educators, so I, I know the life very well. Um, how did you become interested in energy conservation and water conservation and maybe the issue of school food waste? Well, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, it's always been something I've been interested in. Um, I feel like our planet is such an important place. And so I've always had an interest in how to protect it um, so that we can live here as long as we can. But it, in reality as well, it's really every grade level pretty much has standards about the human impact on the environment. And so as I went through the STEM journey with our school and I helped teachers create units and lessons that were part of our STEM um, units for our school, that was a big one that continued to come up. And so as we started educating students, you know, it's interesting. We had students, we did the garbage patch and students, when we first did that, I had students, you know, I always ask, we start with like a phenomenon. What do you notice? What do you wonder? And one of the wonders, a student raised their hand and said, do people even care? And so <laughs> it was this whole conversation about, okay, well, let's talk about, did you care about this yesterday? And the student said, well, I didn't really know about it yesterday. So that's the point, right? Is it's not that people don't care. Oftentimes people don't realize how bad things are um, or, or what we're actually doing. And once we know and we do care, then, then, then we need to figure out what we need to do. So that's really kind of how this started. And so um, I, I have a group of students who have a passion in this. And so I have a club called the Green Biz Kids. And those students are really kind of driving the way for our school. Yeah, that's just such a fantastic point. You know, just basically knowledge is power, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so from that interest, you you developed a relationship with an organization called Envirolution um, in Nevada. Can you tell our audience a little bit about what they do and how that relationship came about and maybe how they help you achieve these goals with student education and participation in environmental conservation issues? Yeah. So Envirolution is a nonprofit organization and they have been incredible in the support of kind of helping us in our journey, but also in helping the students actually take action on their plans. And so if, 
anybody's interested, they should look up and buy Relution. They're they're on the internet. They have all kinds of stuff. But there's several different things that they do, and one of them is Project Recharge, which is how we started with Envirolution. Is we partnered with them, and we had teachers go through training on their Project Recharge program. And part of that, I went through that training with a group of fourth grade teachers, and it's all about energy conservation, which is part of the fourth grade standards, renewable energy. And so they have great lessons that are hands-on to teach the kids, and they provide all the materials, the teacher training. And sometimes when you go through a training as a teacher, they'll give you materials, but when you have consumables, it's kind of like after the first year, you have to figure out how to refill those consumables. And what's great about Envirolution is it's ongoing support. And they will continue to provide those materials for you as long as you're using the program. And so you can go in and say, hey, I need more of this. And they'll send it to you, which is great. Um, They have different things like they have an energy bike that the students can get on and and see how much energy it takes to actually light different types of light bulbs. Um, And so it just everything that is kind of through their project recharge, besides being hands on and engaging for the students, it, it really makes a difference. And they, one of the things they do is they partner with McKinstry um, and NB Energy here in Nevada, and they've created a dashboard. And so that dashboard allows our students to be able to go on and see what are we paying for energy at all of our school sites? And, you know, what, how much waste are, are we paying and what is our water usage? And so they can actually use the school facilities to learn and make it meaningful to them and our students, when they look, the, one of the first things they noticed is we're one of the few schools in our district that doesn't have solar panels. Most of the <laughs> sites have solar and we don't. And so the kids were like, well, why don't we have them? Um, and then the other thing they noticed, and I just mentioned this in a district meeting, which is kind of funny, is the most least energy efficient building in our district is our district office. And so Quish you know, the students had questions about, well, why is that? Why are they not so energy efficient? And how come all the district heads are, (laughs) this is happening at that building. And so it's just a great way for students to, to kind of see. And like I said, they, they've been such a valuable, um, just resource for us and our teachers. Um, and, and really they are the reason that I started the green biz kids because they were looking for a school to work with, um, the Nevada Green Business Organization to try to certify a school in Nevada as a green business. And so that's how our Green Biz Kids started. Um, And they have been following the green business rubric to find out what are we already doing and what things are we not doing that we can change at our site to make our school more green. Got it. So between Green Biz Kids, as you described it, yeah. and Project Recharge and that kind of partnership that you have, you obviously know our focus as an organization is school food waste kind of exclusively. How do you see um, these two programs eventually leading to you know food waste solutions and maybe what those solutions might look like? Yeah. So this has been the, the food waste is something even before Green Business uh, Biz Kids, mm-hmm. our leadership team brought up is they the kids notice how much food is being thrown away and how much food isn't open that's going in the garbage that's just going to our landfills. And so we've had kids bring up before, like, is there something we can do about this? Um, Along with reusables in our lunchroom and instead of the styrofoam trays and, you know, some of these things to, to just help our environment. And so the students actually, one of the things they did thanks to, and I know we'll talk about it probably later, but our log tool is we did a lunch audit and we did a breakfast audit to find out 
how much food are we throwing away that is good food that hasn't been opened um, so that they could figure out what what is the impact and then what are solutions we can do. And so the big thing the students came up with is share tables because they felt like if we we could take food that other kids aren't eating, but somebody else is still hungry and they want that food instead of throwing it in the garbage, why not let students that are still hungry go ahead and use that food um, to make sure that they're full? The other thing that we're trying to work on right now is we're working with an organization to try to see if we could donate our food that's left over to a nonprofit. And so we're looking at one of our um, local food pantries and there's one specifically, and I apologize, it's, it's dream something. There's one specifically that services our community that our students and parents, some of them use. And so we're hoping to be able to take any of that food that the students don't eat and donate it to them. So it goes right back into our community instead of the landfill and just rots them. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think you hit on this a little bit um, in your previous answer about some other things. But I'm going to kind of focus on it again. Um, when I was when I was reading the article um, on Carson now uh, related to the data collection, just in general, you know, why is data collection so important um, to this project in your view? You know, I think that anytime you want to figure out the the scope and the the actual what that problem looks like, you have to collect data because I can say it's a big problem, right? I can say, oh, it's a big problem. We're throwing away a a ton of food. But what I think is a ton of food and what you think is a ton of food can be totally different. And so if you don't have data to back that up, um, one, you need the data to show really this is the problem. This is how much we are wasting. Um, but, But it also just kind of backs up and supports what it is you're trying to do. I apologize. I feel like that answer was a a little, (laughs) a little weird, but. No, it's It's really, it's really, really true. Everything you said right on the money. Um, You know, to that end, I know, or I believe you signed up for the K-12 food rescue storographic log tool that we have on our, you know, website to communicate the impact. Um, do you think it's valuable to have a tool that converts those unopened food items, you know, that are rescued on a share table into how many meals that might equal in carbon dioxide equivalents that are prevented from entering the environment as a result of that share table and donations? It, absolutely. And, and John, I want to thank you for reaching out. Since you saw that article, you couldn't have reached out at a better time because this was something we were trying to figure out. And and as a teacher, because I know the importance of the data, I was trying to figure out, okay, what can we collect so that we have that so that when we go to present, this is the problem, here's what we need to do to change. Um, and having that graphic log tool has been incredible. And so as I mentioned, the students used it to figure out what are we throwing away? They audited our school lunch one week. Um, and and I'll be honest, I was going to stick with just lunch. And I think I told you this before in, in a conversation with you. I had told the kids because, you know, doing an audit does take some time. And I thought, you know, let's just do lunch. And our principal said, you know, I'd really like you to do breakfast as well. And I'm glad that he said that because truly our breakfast is a bigger issue than our lunch as far as what we're throwing away. But, and and so I'll tell you, you know, we threw away in one week, 927 items for lunch and 2,188 items for breakfast. And the students figured out that's one week. And so they figured out in a school year, if we continued at that rate, we would throw away over 112,000 items that are unopened, unsealed, unpeeled, that 
that are good items that are just going to waste. And, and then to, to back up what you're saying about how many meals that is really hits, it just makes an impact of this many items were thrown away. This is how many meals that it could make to potentially feed. Okay. I lost you oh, there. Can you hear me? Let's see if we can get it back. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I lost you. Okay. So I can edit, I can edit this out, but that was so good. Okay. <laughs> um, um, that was because we're really, you know, we, we talk a lot about data and everything yes. and just actual hard numbers when you actually say that, especially when they're so large. Um, so let's see, where did I lose well, you so, at? Yeah. We're, <laughs> okay. So let me, I'll go back to, you know, the 112,000 items in a year um, because the next, the next piece I was going to talk about is the pounds of that CO2. And so having it convert and see that if that's the case, if we really are throwing away just at our one little school site, 112,000 items a year, that converts to 14,000 pounds of CO2. That to me is just mind blowing. When we did the numbers, I just thought, oh my gosh, right? Um, and, and we did some research based on that since that was on there for the students to understand what that means. And one of the things we found is that food waste contributes a huge portion of methane gas and CO2 to the atmosphere. And so um, trying to eliminate that and, and keep that from going to the landfill. Um, I, I'll throw in here if this is okay, because here's another solution that our students came up with is like, this is a great, okay, we have this good food that we're throwing away. And what do we do with the good food that somebody else can use? But we also have a lot of food scraps that we're throwing away. And so instead of those going to the landfill and still causing those issues in the landfill, what do we do with our food scraps? And so we're working on composting in our lunchroom. We um, are partnered with the Greenhouse Project here in Carson. And so they will take our composting. We also are starting a school garden. And so some of the composting will also be used for our garden. And then I'm super excited. This is just in the works and just getting started. But we are partnering with a local um, pig farm. And so that they can then take our food scraps as well to feed to the, the pigs instead of it going to the landfill. So. So you, you're going to have the entire food recovery hierarchy covered then when it's all done. Basically. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. Yeah, that's that's just fantastic. Um, and, and when we're done with the podcast, um, I've done some interviewing with some folks in, in uh, Maryland who are having some incredible success with students, actually students leading it, um, some high school students particularly, um, that I'll just kind of, kind of connect you with. I think you might find it interesting. That would be fabulous. Um, to see what see what see what others are doing around the country. Yeah. Um, so you know, you're, so we're acquiring this food waste data, and we're we're doing share tables and all the kind of stuff. But you know, I guess the question is, were there any hurdles to doing this, or you think it was relatively simple, or what what kind of what kind of things did you see people need to be thinking about when they when they do something like that? Well, I will tell you the biggest hurdle because we we've been trying to do even the share tables, and we were told because we're a Title One school, hundred percent free lunch, and because it's government funded, um, meals for the students, 
that that we're not allowed to share that. We're not allowed to keep that food for the share tables, that the kids have to take one of everything. And if they don't eat it, it goes in the garbage. And again, I'm going to thank you, John, because you sent a lot of resources for us to dig a little bit deeper so that we could go back and say, hey, there actually is something the USD, USDA has approved that, that we can take this food and do something else with it. So we're not just throwing it in the garbage because we've yeah. been told for so long that that we didn't have any other option. Um, and so I think that that's probably the big thing I would say is, is look at your local laws and pay attention to what you can and can't do. And don't just rely on what you're being told because sometimes you're being told things because people don't want to make a change. I was asked to present at the principal's meeting with the district and the head of nutrition was there and she came out and said, oh my gosh, I'm so glad. I want to support you and what your school is doing. And and she told me, which I just found out, that she's been trying to do share tables at her school for four years. And, and it comes down to the head of our kitchen who hasn't really wanted to, who's done the pushback. So knowing that we have that district level support, it's now about trying to help shift the minds of the people in those positions that you need to support those programs as well. I love it. That's just so true. Winning hearts and minds. Yep. It's what you have to yep. do. <laughs> find, a, find a champion in the building, but when you have district support, it means everything. Yes. So Adrian, thanks so much for joining me on the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. And as we finish up, is there any advice you might have for people interested uh, in solving school food waste problems or energy conservation initiatives? Really, I think the big thing is really understanding that there are so many resources out there and there's different organizations willing to help you. And so you don't have to do it alone. There are experts out there because you know, we're not the experts in everything as, as teachers, we try to be, right. but we're not. And so trying to find those people that, that can help support whatever initiative you are trying to do. And then really any time you can get the students involved, it's so powerful. And when you have students, we had students go and speak at the school board meeting, a couple of our green biz kids. And I think that when adults hear from students, sometimes it means more than us going in there. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, right? But the reality is for the students, this is their world and, and this is their future. And so we want to empower them to, to make them realize that they can make a change and they can make a difference. Their voice means something. Yeah, I love that point. And, you know, I, I say frequently on our podcast episodes that You'd have to dig for an hour and a half on our website to find my picture because nobody listens to me. Yep. But, yep. But, when, but, when we, but when we teach kids about it, all of a sudden, they, their voice is very powerful. Yes. And it's, it's great that you're, uh, you're getting kids involved. And I just so admire that. So if anyone's interested in learning more about what you're doing to, to fight school food waste and waste in general, you know, could they, how could they reach out to you? And if so, how might they do that? Sure. So anybody can reach out to me um, if they'd like to send me an email. It's a Wiggins um, and it's a W I G G I N S at Carson dot K 12 dot N V like Nevada dot us. Well, thank you so much for providing that and for sharing your story, Adrian. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, John. And again, thanks for providing some of that, the resources we need to help us move along as well. No problem. Have a great day. Thanks. You too.